warning. This podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society. Gather around for a new episode of True Horror Stories. I'm a bit under the weather today, so I do apologize if my voice is extra hoarse. A big welcome to our newest members of the online campfire that we are so excited to have. Erwin Ben, 666, Shane S., Taphophile, which I believe I recognize from Instagram, and Abby B. Thank you guys so much for your support. Thanks for being listeners, and uh, we're so glad to have you. You're just in time because, as usual, towards the end of the year, I do try and take a break to have some family time. But uh, here on the online campfire, I will be putting out Um, some content for you guys to hold you over until the new year when the podcast is up and running again. So, welcome, and I hope you enjoy. At patreon.com slash nightmare society, you can also join in for as little as a dollar a month. We've got different levels of membership and different perks for each, so if you are interested, be sure to check it out. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. And also uh, head over to YouTube and follow our YouTube channel. Like a video, leave a comment, whatever you like. It is uh, helpful as we hopefully will be growing our YouTube in the future. Also, a huge thanks to our contributors who, without them, this episode would not be possible. Anonymous, user independent underscore start 563, and user blackcat1206. They were all nice enough to share their stories with us tonight, and we thank them. Now, get comfy. And prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. I could give you a million times as a kid and a young adult I felt scared or paranoid playing in the woods. It's a beautiful place and I spent my entire childhood getting lost. Not literally, out there by myself or with friends. As kids, we never got too far out there. But you could actually see the progression of us venturing further and further out as we got older because of forts and carvings we would leave. This one particular time, like a thousand times before, my friend and I had just graduated high school It was our last summer of freedom and we spent the entire summer camping and hiking out there. We had decided to try and find a new place to set up camp, 
and walked for what felt like a few miles before we came to a nice clearing. The area was relatively new to both of us. We got the camp set up and fire going and the plan was to wait until nightfall, smoke some green and play Monopoly. For the sake of backstory on my friend and I, my buddy is a smaller, really goofy guy, but comes from a family of foresters and always had a deep understanding of all the trees and different plants you come across. He had no fear of going and camping out by himself. If I spent 10,000 hours in the woods, he probably spent 50,000. As for me, I'm a taller, sturdier guy, and as we got older, I spent more time worried about women and sports and the woods became a place for small parties. Also, I never had the balls to camp out alone. In fact, older me wouldn't go far at all when I was alone because I could never shake the feeling of being watched. Which was just paranoia, but still an uneasy feeling. Anyways, camp is set, fire is going, but it's getting lower and needs wood. The sun is down and we're both cutting up and having a good time. My friend is sitting on this little chair he always brought and loading up this makeshift bonk and I was crouched breaking some excess limbs off of some of the logs we had gathered for the fire. All of a sudden this strong breeze cuts through the clearing. I couldn't tell you if it was the suddenness of it or what but my friend and I both stopped immediately and looked at each other. The breeze went just long enough to flicker our fire down to a small flame. We both sat completely still in almost total darkness. Neither of us said a word. Across from us on the other side of the fire we could hear footsteps. They sounded like somebody was running and would slow to a walk and then run again. Definitely on two legs. By the sound of it, they were pacing back and forth over the same spot. Then, just like it started, it stopped, with a softer crunch on the underbrush. I knew by the sound it had taken a crouch. I was still crouched and knew that I was staring right at it in the dark. My friend grabbed my shoulder and said, Buddy. (laughs) And when he did, I felt the surge of fear come over me. I could feel it and hear it in him. I had been so fixed on the footsteps and rationalizing what I heard that I hadn't even considered being afraid. But this was true fear. It was raw and made me feel helpless. I could hear my friend after a while grab some leaves and he dropped them on the fire. For the split second the leaves covered the fire we were in pure darkness. Then the fire sprang to life. We both quickly grabbed more leaves and brush and threw it on the fire. I got some sticks and logs on there and neither of us took our eyes off of that spot or moved much over an hour. Finally, the leaves crunched and it slowly walked off. Whatever it was had sat crouched watching us without moving for far longer than any animal would. It wasn't until after the footsteps disappeared that I realized the smell had disappeared as well. It smelled like a paper mill. Spoiled eggs, almost. For the rest of the night, besides whispered remarks, neither of us really moved or stopped looking at the spot. 
nobody went into the tent and I had a very short light sleep sitting on the ground with my head rested on my hands. My friend never went to sleep. In the morning we packed up and silently walked back home. To this day we talk about it. In the seven to eight years since it happened, my forester friend has not camped by himself out there since. was a theater study student in the Midlands of England. We had to take our little theater company on tour around the local rural countryside as part of the practical side of the course. Being a proper London girl, I wasn't best pleased with the prospect of roughing it in a ten-person van. There were fifteen of us in the company, but for the sake of my art, I stopped being a silly tart and threw myself into it with enthusiasm. One day we broke down in the middle of nowhere, and by the time the AA bloke got to us, and in turn by the time we got to the campsite, all the spaces in the campsite had been taken. We had three performances locally the next day. It had gone 8pm and it was almost pitch dark. We didn't have many options left open to us. Our director said it would be best if we drove the van into the near forest and all sleep in the van for the night. And as it was too late to continue driving around and having an early start the following day, we reluctantly agreed. We found a quiet part of the forest that was open, with not many trees, and by 9.30 we were settled in the van, if a little cramped and cold. We were all 19, 20 year olds and it was a big adventure. Around 11.30 I was stirred awake by one of my colleagues screaming and another bloke saying, This is so bad, we are so screwed. To my complete horror, through my sleep blurred eyes, I saw that our little van was completely surrounded by about 50 men, dressed in what appeared to be old fashioned rural farming clothes with homemade torches all burning brightly. I started panicking, but didn't scream. I couldn't take my eyes off the men. They weren't moving an inch, didn't have any expression on their faces, not even when we bibbed the horn at them. Two of the blokes even got out of the van and shouted at the men, to the total horror of everyone else. And nothing. Needless to say, we were all terrified. Every time we tried to move the van, the men moved a step forward. At 1.30, all of the men suddenly just turned around and walked away through the trees. We were absolutely knackered, too tired to drive anywhere else, so we took turns in keeping watch in case the men came back, but thankfully they never did. These events occurred two summers ago in the Grand Teton area. My boyfriend at the time, now husband, I'll refer to him as H, 
was an avid outdoorsman and also served in the military. I was an ecology major and wanted to spend some time outdoors, so he decided to take me on my first backpack, just the two of us. For those who aren't familiar, the Grand Tetons are well known for their wildlife, specifically grizzly bears. My only experience with bears up to this point was watching a little black bear cross the road from the safety of my car. Seeing signs with all capital bold letters saying grizzly country around every corner wasn't doing much to calm my nerves. My boyfriend looked like Indiana Jones, machete hanging from his belt, large knives attached to each side of his pack, bear spray strapped to his waist. You get the picture. The beginning of our 25 mile journey was all uphill. When in bear country you're supposed to make noise as to not startle the wildlife by accidentally sneaking up on it. As you can imagine, Going up a steep hill while carrying a 40 pound pack makes it difficult to make conversation. We were an hour in and almost at the top of the ascent. I noticed that the woods had gone completely silent, save for the rushing stream that was to our left of the trail. Silent woods are never a good sign. This usually indicates predators nearby. At this point, I was in front of my boyfriend, and we were about to crest the hill. For the past 20 minutes, we had not said a word to each other, having been too tired to speak. We noticed the silence at the same time, and gave each other knowing glances. I came up over the top of the hill and immediately froze. Sitting not 10 feet in front of me in the middle of the trail was a grizzly bear. My husband wasn't aware yet as he was behind me, so I did the first thing I could think of. While still in my frozen stance, I managed to take my arm and start flinging it wildly behind me to try to get his attention. I was too terrified to speak. The bear went from sitting to all fours, not looking away from us once. H quickly swung me around so that I was behind him and just started yelling. Being in the military, he knows how to yell. The grizzly wasn't quite phased as it started to walk slowly towards us. At this point, I was on the verge of passing out from terror. The bear was about five feet in front of us when we heard a loud crack coming from the woods to our right. The bear heard it too, and he bolted towards the stream. The second crack boomed again this time much closer than before. H said it's probably just some falling branches, but we both knew that was not the case. At this point, we were walking quickly up the trail in an attempt to create some distance from the grizzly and those strange noises. I felt the hairs on the back of my neck stand straight up, and at that same moment, H stopped moving in front of me. He turned around to look at me, and I turned around to look behind me. To this day, we are not sure what we saw. Back where we were standing was a large black-brown mass. It looked to be three times bigger than the already large grizzly that we had just seen a few moments before. Its back was facing us, and then it stood on its back legs. It looked similar to a bear, but something about the shape was just 
off. At this point, it was probably stupid to run away, but that is exactly what we did. We were aware of heavy footsteps behind us, but neither of us looked back. The footsteps eventually faded. At this point, I was a mess. H was doing his best to console me. Honey, this is extremely unusual. The bears usually stay away from humans. We're, we're going to be okay. I'm sure that won't happen again. That was enough to convince me to continue on the backpack. Not another hour later, we reached a clearing where we decided to take a rest and eat a snack. About a minute after we had sat down, I noticed bushes moving in a line toward the clearing. Towards us. Out of the brush comes this adolescent grizzly who looks just as spooked as I'm sure we did. But he came straight for us. H, being the crazy nut that he is, decided to charge back at the bear while screaming. Bear spray at the ready. That did the trick and the bear ran off. All I could think of was just my luck. But that wasn't even close to what happened the second night. Before we began our backpack, we had to let the ranger station know which trails and route we planned to take. With this information, they usually send a ranger on horseback at some point during the backpack to check on you and make sure everything's okay. There weren't many approved trails left for us to choose from, and it was just our luck that they were the most difficult. Apparently, over the three days we were on those trails, we had been the sole hikers. We didn't see a single other person once we were en route. Anyhow, I guess we missed the ranger who came to check on us. We had been following hoof prints the entire second day, and we hadn't seen any the day before. I had some foot problems, so we spent valuable daylight trying to adjust my boot, laces, socks, etc. to compensate for the pain. When we started on the trail again, we had maybe an hour or two of daylight left, and in the woods it gets dark fast. I was exhausted. It was now dark out, and H was the only one with a working headlamp, as mine wouldn't even turn on for some reason. We needed to find somewhere to set up camp, as we still needed to eat. It was freezing, and the wind was blowing. It was creating a howling sound as it rushed through the trees, which made it difficult to hear H or discern any other sounds coming from the woods. After another hour of hiking through the dark, we found a clearing. Well, it was more like a bowl. It looked to be about 200 meters in diameter, with the sides being 10 meters down from the trail to the bottom of the clearing. This place was strange. We both felt it. Though he didn't tell me how freaked out he was till after we had left. There was no moonlight, so all we had was the illumination from his headlamp our small camp stove, and the flashlight that I fished from my backpack. Half of the trees were dead and fallen, just in the bowl. The vegetation everywhere else was very dense. To help alleviate my anxiousness, he started playing Ninja Sex Party out of his portable speaker. This didn't help much as it just echoed off the trees, creating a dissonance of sounds. He also thought it would ward off any predators nearby. This is when we knew our anxiousness was not paranoia. The silence was back. 
There hadn't been a single bird chirp since we arrived at the clearing. It also may have had to do with the obnoxious music. But because of our previous experience, we decided to turn off the music and head into the tent. Also, it was freezing. As soon as we were situated in our sleeping bags, we heard deep cracks and thuds echoing from beyond the tree line. Falling trees, maybe? There had been a lot of wildfires and very little rain this season. We both froze. That wasn't an echo. It came from inside the clearing. Definitely not a falling tree. It came from right outside our tent. We both stopped breathing. H's hand found mine and we clung to each other, paralyzed. Something dragged across the outside of our tent, making an indent as it went along. It was thin, almost like a finger. I whispered, shaking. I don't know. Shouldn't be a person. We're the only ones on this side of the mountain. I was trying my hardest to stifle sobs, trying to listen to what was outside. I could hear steps, but couldn't decipher what it was. The steps stopped, and then the whole side of the tent was slowly pushed inwards. At this point, whatever was outside knew we were inside, so I shined my flashlight at the side of the tent. What I saw made my blood run cold. It was the shape of a human face pressed into the tent wall. I could make out the nose and an open mouth. Each time they breathed, it made the tent around their mouth billow in and out. H said F that and pulled a Glock from his sleeping bag. He cocked it and the sound shattered the silence. The face pulled back and we heard fast footsteps heading towards the edge of the clearing. We didn't leave the tent until the sun was shining through the next morning. The first thing we noticed was the smell of urine. We came out of the tent and looked around. Whoever it was had peed on all of our coals we had left in the fire leaving a disgusting stench of evaporated urine. Footprints surrounded our tent, circling around multiple times. Muddy handprints decorated the outside of our tent. We think it was mud, anyway. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet dreams. Ha, 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 ha.